Welcome back to another episode of the Project Warman podcast with me, Connor Warman. My guest today is Allison Scal. Allison is, fr- is a friend of mine from CrossFit Roots, and on episode 197, I sat down with her husband, Carrie Hare. So, naturally, I had to get the other, arguably more accurate, side of the story. Allison works for CrossFit HQ as a copy editor, where she has been for the past 12 years. On this episode, we talk about her journey to finding CrossFit, working for CrossFit HQ, writing, and why that that is such a passion for her, and so much more. As always, I truly hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did. And now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. What's up, Allison? Hi, Connor. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I can't believe I'm great. I can't believe I'm back here. I can only get one visit a year. You, uh, it's only like a month apart. I know, but no visits in 2023, so... (laughs) Carrie's all talk. Sad. You're always welcome in our home. Thank you. See, at least one of the two is nice to me. <laughs> we <laughs> both love kidding. you very much, Connor. <laughs> Thank you. So how's it going? I'm doing What's well. Yeah. Doing really well. Enjoying Colorado fall. My son is now potty trained fall for the most kind part. Of, yeah. Well, Colorado fall is amazing though because yeah. it stays warm for so long. Yeah, I like that too. But, but the cool it, mornings are amazing. Like, eventually, it's just going to turn. I know. And that's going to be it. I remember last year, I feel like it was Thanksgiving week. It's yeah. like, nice, 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 nice. Snow, yeah. winter. We might have gotten a snow by now last year. Really? Well, maybe I was two I years ago. I don't think so. I mean, like yeah, this is only our, my second fall here. Yeah, so. me too. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so. But you got here a couple months before us. Yeah. So you got to experience a little bit, a little yeah. bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How'd the workout go today? It was great. Yeah, I did. I was really excited to do all the chest bars RX. Um, I feel like they're getting so much better. Mm -hmm. It's really nice, even almost 13 years in, to like. There you go. Always be striving for something and have goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After you had Henry, was it like a long journey back or not really? Yes, but it it really only feels long now that I look back on it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there were parts like. Three months after I had Henry and I was going back to the gym, I was just so excited to be back at the gym. I didn't worry too much about, oh, I'm weak or I can't do this skill or can't do that. It was just great to be moving again and feeling good enough to do that. And then at like six months, I thought, dang, like I'm really getting my stride. Start, stuff is starting to come back. I feel really good. Oh, I'm feeling so strong. And then at nine months, I was like, oh, I'm totally back. Like mm-hmm. they talk about nine months in, nine months out. Yeah, yeah. That's usually when you start to feel quote unquote normal again. And then a year, it's like, damn, my handstand push-ups are way better than they used to be, even pre-pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And just so now I just feel like it's, it's been in stages. So yeah. even though I'm way fitter now than I was six months postpartum, uh, I didn't feel – it still felt so good and nice to be moving in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. What about Carrie? Did he have a hard time getting back? <laughs> He'll tell you, uh, he did have, he struggled with um, a shoulder injury before having Henry. And then I think holding the baby so long on one side, uh, not, not that he re-injured, but definitely caused him some pain. Gotcha. So <laughs> I think Nicole gave him a really hard time for that once. Oh, really? Yes. I'm sure she did. He's, was, he modified something because his shoulder was acting up and he said something, oh, like ever since I had a baby. And she said, oh, you, you had yeah. a baby? <laughs> Uh, yeah, which you know you can always count on with Nicole, which I love a and few, appreciate. Yeah, I there's a few things you get that reaction <laughs> about. <laughs> yes, that's why she's the best. Yeah, she doesn't hold anything back. Yep, they, just honesty. That's the best thing. Absolutely, brutal honesty. 
So, it, I mean, I, I was lucky to have CrossFit long before I got pregnant. And I think yeah. keeping that uh, going while I was pregnant and then having that community to come back to was significant in that whole journey. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So I have a question for you right off the bat. If you had like a song or something that would basically just describe your life, what would that be? A song to describe my life? Yeah, is it like a song or something like that? Yeah. Or songs? Well, I, I do really love music. Uh, Carrie will tell you I'm horrible at remembering names of songs, but because I heard Fiona Apple on the radio today on my way home I don't know from. Who that is. Of course you don't. I don't oh, Connor. So she's an amazing, amazing female artist that came to fame in the 90s and still is making a lot of music, but she's phenomenal. She's one of my favorites. I heard one of her songs from her 2010 album, Extraordinary Machine, today. It wasn't that mm. song, but. Um, okay. But I do love the song Extraordinary Machine. Mm. And I think just talking about, I think since you asked that fresh off of asking me about coming back after pregnancy, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like that's that's a good one mm-hmm. to describe, just where I feel like I'm at right now in my life. Yeah. Uh, as a working woman, as a mother, as somebody who does CrossFit, um, and who, who feels like at 38 I'm the strongest, fittest, most healthy I've ever been, I feel like an extraordinary machine. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day because I, on my drive into Roots, like eight minutes. That's when I usually have my deepest thoughts. And for the rest of the day, I just push them away. Well, it's like you get that solitude and then you're yeah. around people all day. Yeah. Yeah. But so that's I think when that's I, great. I let my thoughts then, but then they have to stop. Yeah. Feelings, thoughts, put them away, <laughs> push them down. <laughs> you're at Roots now. <laughs> Time for business. It's your place but, of work. Yeah. It's also a place of fun. Totally. Place of solitude. Does that make sense? Sure. Sure. Peace, yeah, I mean, especially like I feel a lot of solitude in the middle of a workout, mm-hmm. even though I'm surrounded by people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is weird though. Like, I try to go in there fired up, ready to go, and you have all this energy giving it to all these people, and you leave, and you're kind of like not depressed, but you're kind of sad. You're yeah. Like, oh, all of a sudden it's like quiet. Such a high to just. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Noise, sometimes chaos. Yeah, bo- like all three of those things, yeah. and you just like leave it, and you're like. Well, especially cool. if you're doing that for like three or four hours in mm-hmm. a row yeah whether it's a private or mm-hmm. a class just you're on you're on you're watching you're talking yeah you're listening you're it's a much yeah. different hour than like a regular work hour mm-hmm. i so totally much, agree so much going on so many things to think about mm-hmm. ask people about watch do yes so it's always it's always weird but yeah you're like oh man i left it's sad now i'm sad mm-hmm. i, I go get back. that i get that especially after like certain classes like 8 30 is one of them or it's like same crew mm-hmm. high energy and then it's like, oh, they all left. The 8.30 is a really fun gone. crew. <laughs> There's a few like that. I'm a little biased, obviously. Yeah. But no, that's a good, you guys have a good crew there. I mean, our that's just the Roots community, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't know. I mean, I haven't been a member of very many different gyms, but having been to a lot of different gyms, mm-hmm. just what Eric and Nicole have cultivated there is really special. Mm-hmm. No ego shit no mm-hmm. you know like yeah sure some people come and do the the shop the open shop instead of the class but yeah. it doesn't feel like they're not part of the community mm-hmm. and i think we see that in a lot of gyms yeah. where you've got the guy in the corner you know who's the badass competitor and is yeah. too good for the class whatever yeah, you know yeah. we just don't have that there i don't yeah there's nobody i don't like at roots it's probably the unique at least at the gyms i've seen where it's like that is a thing like people do class yeah like for the most part. Yeah. Like you don't have a lot of people who just come in and do their own thing. And if they're doing their own thing, it's for a very specific reason or, mm-hmm. you know, 
Yeah, whatever. like like snap. Like she'll she's, still do class all the time. She just does open shop the same. You know. Yeah. Later yeah. on or earlier. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is really really cool. Very cool. Me. But so you you wrote to me said that you grew up in Kansas, Nebraska. Nebraska. I went to college in Kansas. Yeah. Oh. Kansas is part of the story. Gotcha. I grew up in Nebraska, and I get that they're not that different. Is it like small town Nebraska? Yeah. So I was born in Omaha. My dad's a Methodist oh. minister. Yeah. So, so when you sent me that. Yeah. Small town Nebraska. You had a minister as a dad, uh-huh. a school teacher as a mom. Mm-hmm. That just set the scene to me for a great scary movie <laughs> right away. Uh, there have been some scary things that have happened in the Midwest, specifically Kansas. Yeah. Uh, in Cold Blood, Truman Capote's book. That's a true okay. story of a story of, of a whole family that got murdered in a like, quiet, safe town, like out on a farmhouse. Yeah. Anyway, that's not my story. Okay. So Omaha, like okay, so born in Omaha, go. but like two weeks after I was born, my dad got uh, moved to a different church in a town called Fremont, which is not a super small town, but smaller, about forty-five minutes outside of Omaha. Uh, I lived there until I was seven, and then we moved to a town called Hastings, which is more south central Nebraska, again like mid-size mm-hmm. town. And then I went to high school. Um, so when I was thirteen, we moved from Hastings to a little town called Aurora, like four thousand people. And that's where I went to high school. So if you ask me where I'm from, if you're asking for a town, not just a state, because I usually just say Nebraska, uh, that's where I say I'm from. I feel like my high school years were formative. I still have friends from Aurora. Um, yeah. yeah. That's where I'd go back to, if not Omaha. Uh, my parents don't live in Nebraska anymore, so mm-hmm. I've got one sister there. But, yeah, no scary stuff. Pretty no, normal. Pretty like, normal. lovely childhood. Um yeah. People consider Nebraska the Midwest, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I say I'm from the Midwest. Yeah, and yeah. And that's way away. So, Midwest, like, basically, that's, like, the start of the Midwest, and it goes to, like, Like, Ohio. Indiana to, like, no, no, Ohio to like, Yeah, to like, the Dakotas, like, the Dakotas, uh, gotcha. Nebraska, Kansas, maybe Oklahoma's in there. Yeah, I think Oklahoma's in there. Hmm. And then, like, I went to grad school in Ohio, and I was actually surprised that's still called the Midwest. That was mm. kind of foreign to me, but it is, yeah. And then yeah. I think once you start getting into Pennsylvania, that's east. Gotcha. Because yeah. we're kind of still like Midwest here, ish. I I get Midwest vibes. Yeah. For sure, but I don't like the idea of saying I live in the Midwest now. So yeah. let's say Colorado's not the Midwest. Okay. But what I do love about Colorado, other than like the scenery and out, you know, mm-hmm. so many amazing things to do outdoors, is the friendliness of people. Because mm. um, coming, I mean, I lived in California for ten years before moving here, and people weren't nice there. It's not. They're just, it's just a different, it's, you interact so differently. Hmm. Like if I'm on a hike here, everyone waves or says hello, friendly. Uh, If somebody runs past you, you know, they say hi or thank Mm -hmm. you or whatever. If somebody says hi to you on a hike in California or in Santa Cruz where I lived, if they said hi to you, you'd say, oh, they're not from here. Like, Hmm. um, you don't, you don't make, like we didn't, no eye contact. Like maybe if you had two dogs on the trail or something who were playing together, you'd interact. But yeah, other than that, yeah. So it's not that, I mean, we had a lovely community there. Mm. We made great friends. People were welcomed us with open arms when we moved there. But, uh, you're not just chit chatting with strangers Hmm. who, who you're, if they don't, they don't invest in you if they think they're never going to see you again. That was my experience. I don't want to speak for all Uh Californians. See, I don't get that vibe here at all. That's so I funny. I guess it's perspective. Cause I, perspective, I, yeah. Going to school in the South, people were very, very nice and, like, proper and, like, holding the door for you, whether you're 
five feet away or 50 feet away. I get that away. here, though. You don't get really? that here? Maybe no. as a woman, it's different. When I, don't I know. But when I hold the door for random women, most of them just look at me like I'm crazy. How dare you? I know. That's that's the vibe I get. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just trying <laughs> to be nice. I hold door for... I, I, like, I've had women hold door, doors yeah. for me, and mm-hmm. I hold doors for men. Yeah. That's just how it should be for yeah. everyone. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be like a gender thing. Yeah. But no, I don't think it's a gender thing. I mean, like, guys, too. I'll, yeah. like, wait and hold the door, and people just, like, look at me and be like... What are you doing? <laughs> That's so funny. Maybe it is perspective. Yeah. yeah. It's also just a little slower in the South. So, like, people people here, like, when I go across the street, will never stop for me. But, like, in the South, oh. it's like, slam on the brakes. Go ahead. Yeah. I also have funny. a different experience. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's funny, though. It's funny you say that about California, because people mm-hmm. always say people in California, like, really laid back and friendly. I would say laid back for sure. And, again, I don't. it's not, like, an overarching, people are just cruel. It's yeah. not, like the northeast but uh, i'm talking about you boston yeah there you go uh but it's it's just a different it's just different yeah yeah again i feel like strangers don't really invest in each other Mm. um yeah in the same way Mm -hmm. so you went to school in kansas Mm -hmm. small school in kansas for journalism Mm -hmm. one why did you want to do that in the first place so I started in my in my high school newspaper my sophomore junior year, and our journalism advisor was my English teacher, Mr. Verana, and he was amazing. He introduced me to like Pink Floyd mm. and um, George Harrison as a solo artist and a bunch of cool bands. He'd always have music playing. He just made it a really fun, energizing experience. And as I was kind of starting a college search and talking to my parents about my major. I've always been interested in words and language and writing. So I thought, well, I'll just be an English teacher. My mom's a teacher. My dad is a minister, but, you know, he he teaches on the side, and it's a really educational kind of helping field. I thought that would be good for me, but I wasn't totally sold on it. Um, And my mom one day just said, I think I was talking about newspaper at home, and she said, Allison, you love newspaper. Why don't you think about journalism? It was just like a light bulb went off. And I was like, why? I don't know why I didn't think of that before. So I'd already been looking at Baker University um, just casually. Uh, We had a tour scheduled. Um, One of my dad's colleagues had gone there, and I was kind of eager to go out of state, even if it wasn't that far. And uh, they had, turns out, they had one of the best journalism programs in the Midwest. Um, Mm. University of Kansas has a good one. Um, University of Missouri has a good one. Uh, But I didn't want to go to a really big school. And the advisor there I just really clicked with. She gave me an, a great scholarship after I submitted some stuff. I did a little internship um, at a, a newspaper in Grand Island, Nebraska, which is a much bigger town, about 30 minutes from where I went to high school, and got some bylines. I got to write some articles, which was really neat. So I felt like I'd really found my stride, and I was doing the right thing. And then for like a split second, I got I got a little scared in the college newspaper environment. So I switched to psychology, but then I switched right mm. back to journalism. <laughs> Got scared for well, I just it was like more pressure. It's like oh, harder. You're gotcha. competing with older older people. I I felt like I was so. I mean, I think a lot of people have this experience in college. There, you're kind of the best one in high school, whether it's mm. sports or theater or. Yep. For me, it was newspaper. I was kind of kicking ass mm-hmm. in high school, and I had this great internship. I got in bylines in real big city, bigger city newspapers, and then um, I just I remember the fir- my first article that I wrote just got torn apart which Mm. was not a bad thing it was a great thing it happens to everybody it makes you better but it scared me and so I was like maybe I'm not cut out for this psychology sounds interesting maybe I can be helpful in that way I really wanted to be in some kind of uh 
helping profession. Um, but I, I, that was, I was not cut out for that. I think that was, yeah. (laughs) Um, that was not, not a good track. And then I, by my sophomore year, I was a, uh, a section editor. I did the arts and entertainment section, like I managed, I ran it. So I was like, okay, I I can do this. I can Mm. do this. I just needed a little more confidence. Yeah. It's just cool how, like, going back to your high school class, how, like, one teacher making it fun for you mm-hmm. basically puts you down that path. Cause totally. Because it could have the other way. Where it was oh, my God. boring. For sure. Like, you just don't realize the impact you're having on people in, in that kind of way. Like, just by playing Pink Floyd and introducing you to this stuff and making right. it fun. Right. Like, uh, kind of fell in love with it. I mean, uh, again, I'm, I'm biased. I think teachers are really special humans. But I, I'm the daughter of a teacher. Yeah. Um, but I they just don't get enough credit, good or bad. You know, the bad ones mm-hmm. can ruin something for you and the yep. good ones can change your life yeah yeah i mean it's no different than like in crossfit and coaching 100 like you could ruin crossfit for someone or you could mm-hmm. just by making it fun well i think about neeb's story with his wife like yeah. i you know what a bummer that she just didn't feel like empowered in that moment and that kind of yeah and you never know when that moment's gonna come right right which is crazy too it is yeah yeah but yeah so you went you went there and then you also so you got in the newspaper and the newspaper died <laughs> well, yeah, but I love newspaper. I used to read the no, newspaper. Uh, I mean, as a kid. I have such fond memories of sitting mm-hmm. at the breakfast table, sharing a grapefruit with my dad. We always cut it in half and then put a fuck ton of sugar on it. <laughs> um, but we'd split, we'd split a grapefruit, and he'd have his coffee, and he'd sit there and read the newspaper. And I just, I, you know, my my dad's my hero. I adore him, and I just he was in, he had a newspaper route as a kid, and he talks about it so fondly. And yeah, very nostalgic newspapers. Like the yeah. other day, we went to um, Carrie and I went on a hike at Rocky Mountain National Park, and they give you a little newspaper that has maps and stuff. Yeah. And I smelled it, and I was like, yeah. "This is the best this smell." Just being in the newsroom, yeah, um, smelling that—that's just a special paper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love I love newspapers. Uh, I just I graduated college in two thousand six, and while the internet was internet was going strong the idea of online journalism hadn't quite hit its stride the way that it does now so I saw no future I interned at some small town newspapers I got some I got a great internship with um uh, I told you my dad's a United Methodist minister with United Methodist Communications in Nashville that was an amazing experience that was some online stuff and then some print print stuff but um I just I any job I applied for the salary was so bleak I don't know how I would have lived and that's just not, I wasn't willing to do that, I guess. Yeah. Not that I don't need a lot, but even if I had stayed in small town Kansas, it would have been hard to live. Yeah. Uh, so I was an RA in college, a resident assistant. Mm. And my dean of students, another amazing educator, uh, his name is John Frazier. He said, hey, I think you're really good at this student life stuff. I, you know, I w- I'm going to give you a job for a year after college. Um, I think you should apply to some higher ed administration programs. So I thought about it. I was like, well, that guarantees me a job right out of college. I can stay and kind of not really bum around, but I can stay and hang out with with my friends for another year. I had no no aspirations to stay in Kansas for too long. But I had uh, two friends who had moved to Lawrence and Topeka, so they were close by. And uh, I said, okay, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, this guy was amazing. He helped me with my applications. He gave me, I remember him just handing me like $100 in cash to apply. So it costs like anywhere from 50 to 70 dollars just to apply to grad schools to send your application Mm -hmm. so he helped to fund some of my applications um so that's what I ended up doing I I got into Bowling Green State University which has an amazing program called college student personnel where you really take theory into practice for 
um, college-age students and how they develop during that time. And uh, I worked in residence life. I worked in our women's center. And I did some stuff with, like, career planning uh, during my year at Baker, working there. And then when I got to Bowling Green, I mm-hmm. focused mostly on residence life and women's services. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the newspaper thing is sad because I, I grew up, like, in elementary school reading it mm-hmm. and bringing it on the bus with me. That's and awesome. Like reading the sports page and the weather. I love and that. Like yeah. Reading through all the box scores of the games, but it's sad now. If you get a newspaper, it's so small and yeah. thin. It used to be like huge. There's just no funding. Advertising it's doesn't want to pay for print media. I mean, print truly print yeah. media. Yeah. But like, I've always liked something I can hold. Like whether it's a book. I don't totally. read books on a tablet. I read mm-hmm. like a real paperback book because I just like and I also like the feeling of flipping the page. Yeah. You feel like you can oh, really see how far you accomplished something. Yes. Yeah. Versus just like reading and scrolling and yes. scrolling. Yeah. So I know just another screen to look at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, yeah. yeah. There is. I don't know what it is. There's something about holding it mm-hmm. and like reading real. Yes, paper. I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> and the smell of it, like you said, like uh, the smell yes. of books. You know, the yeah, smell, smell of, of a book, yeah. The smell of newspaper. Do you have your library card? No. You should get your library card. Yeah. And go to the library. I should. Yeah. Because I usually just go to Barnes and Noble. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, for a long time, I was in a book club in Santa Cruz with a bunch of my friends from CrossFit Santa Cruz, and I'd buy every single book yeah. every month, and I'm like. Over time, I was looking at how much I was spending on books that I only read once and then yeah. would, you know, donate to one of those little libraries or just mm-hmm. give to somebody else to borrow and then never got it back. And it's just, it was a lot of money. I, I'm the daughter of a librarian. My mom's a library yeah. teacher. <laughs> it's like, go to the library. I, you yeah. know, I had a library card in Santa Cruz, but rarely used it. And then once we moved here and with Henry, the library is amazing. The Louisville Library is phenomenal. Yeah. So many activities. The children's section is amazing and opened my world. I'm, I'm, I had a goal to read I did that like 22 and 22 challenge, read 22 books in 2022. And I think oh, I'm on my yeah. 43rd book right now. Oh, wow. So crazy. The library at, you know, yeah. is, it'll save you money. Yeah. Uh, you'll and be it's fun supporting your, you know, browse local. for books too. Totally. Like if you don't like, sometimes I don't know what I want. Mm-hmm. I go there, but like, if I do know what I want, Amazon's changed the game. Cause you just, I order it. It's at my doorstep I know. the next day, maybe the day after. Yes. And you can get it used. Sometimes it costs That's me true. $3. That is, that is nice. But, but you could save those $3 for a PBR later in life. That's true. That'd be yeah. like two PBRs at Seriously. the right place. <laughs> There's this little tiny, we called it the townie bar in Baldwin city where Baker is. Um, we rarely went there, my friends and I, but when we did, they had this like just a whole line of refrigerators of PBRs for a dollar each. Mm. So that's what we would drink when we would go there that's is PBRs because awesome. they only cost a dollar. You just got my respect. <laughs> <laughs> my so beer, my my um, taste in beer has changed a bit since that time. Okay. But uh, what a shame. <laughs> well, you know, thirty-eight PBR doesn't taste the same when you're twenty-one. It changes flavors. It's phenomenal. Changes flavors? After you've had the really good stuff. The really good stuff. After you pay for the $9 beers, yeah. the $1 beers don't taste eh, the same. That's a, that's a hot take. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, you do you. I'm not yeah, judging. there you go. Um, do you like to read like fiction or nonfiction or both? I like to read all of it. Yeah? Yeah. I, uh, sometimes I just need a really good escape. I know mm-hmm. when, I was, uh, when I was in graduate school getting my master's, all I would, if I was reading anything outside of my coursework... It was fiction, like, could be good, bad, trashy, whatever. Like, Mm. I just, you know, I needed something entertaining and relaxing and I could kind of turn my brain off, too. Yeah. But still feel like I was doing something other than just, like, watching TV or sitting around. I wasn't nearly, I wasn't active at all then. I worked out Mm. a little bit, but um, this is long before CrossFit. Um, But now, after I got out of that and I was kind of, like, 
far enough out of being a student that, you know, I could read nonfiction again, biographies. Right now I'm reading like a really interesting parenting book and Hmm. um, all kinds of different things. Yeah. It's cool. Like I, I'll say like a really good fiction book. Like I read a lot of thrillers and I'll get more into books than I will movies. Mm -hmm. Like I love movies, but some books I'm like, I cannot put this down. Don't you just think the way a writer has to write to pull you into something like that? It's amazing to me. It's different than showing it visually. You have to, they have to describe it enough in a way that you can create that in your mind. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of get to take it to your own place, which I think is really special. Yeah, it goes through your own filter of thinking. Yes. So I'm, if I'm reading the same book, I'm seeing a different scene than you're seeing. Absolutely. Which is cool too. It's very cool. You kind of make it, not what you want, but like when I'm reading the book, I picture what the living room looks like. I picture Mm -hmm. what the characters look like. Yeah, for sure. You know, how they interact with each other. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just cool. It like, is very cool. It's a, it's a, it's a crazy good skill because I mean, know that's and that that is not the kind of writer mm. I am, but I mm. have a lot of respect for for writers, especially writers who can do a ton of books. Yeah, yeah. Fiction's always cool too. I I'm fascinated with fiction because it's like there's no rules. You just make the story you want mm-hmm. and like basically how you want to see the world or see the story unfold absolutely like you can take something that would never happen and it happens and mm-hmm. it's just so cool to me it takes you it takes me away when yeah, I read it. I love that <laughs> yeah I love that and I'll like be at night I'll read 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 and I'm like I just read a hundred pages oh I you it's know it's 10 30 what <laughs> did I do <laughs> the other day I read a book I needed a break from I was reading something kind of heavy and I needed a break so I went and picked out something a little more light and I read it in like Within a 12-hour period. I started it yeah. the night before and I finished it in the morning. <laughs> Carrie was just stunned. I mean, it was like a 300-page book. I mean, yeah. it was yeah. a very easy read. But they just, I just got pulled in from page one. Yeah. And I, it was, I just couldn't stop reading. And yeah. It's not like I didn't stop to sleep. I, I didn't stay up all night reading mm-hmm. it. I, but yeah, I, I hear that. I've been there. Yeah. I almost like when I read some of these thrillers, I almost get more nervous, scared reading than I do if I was watching quiet. it. Because everything's quiet. All of a sudden, I'm like, why is my heart rate so high? Yep. Like, why am I like, but you have to wait. You don't yep. just like see it. You have to read it on to figure out what happens. <laughs> it's not like he's going to pop around the corner and kill her. <laughs> and they don't have music to intensify it. Yeah. And, yeah. That's what's impressive, too, because like people say music makes the movie. Oh, a lot for of sure. The times. Yeah. Like, mess up the music, you might mess up the whole movie. I agree with that. But you don't have that in books. You just have your own mind mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes mm-hmm. up whatever it wants to make up. Absolutely. Yeah. So you went to Bowling Green, mm-hmm. and you what did you do there? So I my focus was in residence life, and I did some work in uh, women's services and disability services, okay. and dabbled a little more in like career planning, uh, but that wasn't was wasn't really my like helping jam. Helping them with career planning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So basically, my program it's like when you go to college, you have your all of your instructors, your professors, and then you've got the people who are running student programs. My master's degree specializes in, like, the student programs outside of the classroom. So um, I, I lived in a, in a dorm, like, managing a, a residence hall. Um, so I, I was, like, the boss of the RAs who, mm-hmm. you know, all, each had their own floor and, and managed those. And then I um, helped start some women's programs at the university I was interning at, and, or they call it graduate assistantship. Um, that was at a little school in Tiffin, Ohio, called Heidelberg. Um, their mascot is a student princes. Go student princes. Really? Isn't that funny? That is funny. What did it look like? Um, like a knight, from okay. what I can remember. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
anyway, that was a really fun experience. I had made amazing friends there and still have a, a text thread with, uh, with a few of the other GAs mm-hmm. I got really close to. Hillary, Tommy, Jeremy, if you listen to this, I love you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a really fun experience, and I thought I would do that forever. I found such joy in it. I, it really, I felt like I was really helping people. Um, you know, I had some crazy experiences when I was an RA in college where, like, my first week on the job, one of my residents got raped, uh, drugged and and raped. And Mm. I felt like the, the way that my university handled it was so poor, it made me really passionate about that and about just first responding and how we deal with sexual assault on college campuses. Mm. And this was, you know, that would have been 2003, um, which I still feel like they were, even though sexual assault has been happening on college campuses for decades Mm -hmm. and decades forever. Um, So I feel like the, you know, uh, university still has a really hard time handling it privately and publicly. And I felt like they handled it really poorly. And then when I was a junior, uh, our, one of our counselors got funding to open like a women's center at Baker. And I got really into that. In fact, I worked, um, like 50% of my time, the year that I worked at Baker, I worked 50% of my time um, with the social worker who mm. ran that program. And we're still really great friends to this day. Um, and we started, we did a Take Back the Night. We started a first responder program where, you know, uh, students would have like a sign on their door to say like, I'm, I'm a trained first responder. And that's different than a, like a firefighter or a police policeman. Yeah. Um, they, they knew what to do if somebody came to them and said, hey, I've just been raped or assaulted. Um, they knew the next steps, you know, who to take it to, do you want to report it, you know, make sure they, they could get counseling services if they wanted to. Um, so we started that program and then I took all, all of that, all, everything I learned there, I took that to Heidelberg and we did a lot of this, a lot of similar programs. Unfortunately, I don't think they stuck after, too long mm. after I left. I know some, uh, the student group that I helped start stayed for a while. I should check to see if they're still, still, um, hanging in there, but um, that was I was really passionate about that. I just felt like I could make a difference doing mm-hmm. that kind of work, and um, I got a job right out of grad school at the University University of Houston Clear Lake. Um, okay. I was really eager to be out of the Midwest and mm-hmm. out of Four Seasons. I have a brother who lives in the Houston area, and at the time he had two daughters. Um, now he's remarried, and they've got a group of four. Mm-hmm. But um, and I just they were really little. I thought this would be a good opportunity for for me to be more in their lives. Um, Can I ask you one question? Real quick? Yes. Going back, do you do you think that's a thing we've made progress on since two thousand and three? In some ways, yes. I think in some places there's still just horrific practices. You know, we're trying to protect the. And um, how do you how do you improve that? people need to stop worrying about what happens to the assaulter. You know what I mean? So a big thing mm, that a big thing okay. that I see a lot is well, if we report this and he or she goes to jail, gets in trouble, loses a scholarship, can't play football, whatever it is, um that will ruin their lives. Mm. And that's a bigger thing than people realize. Correct? Absolutely. Like I I think what what we're missing is that the person who's been assaulted, um, their life is already a little bit ruined mm-hmm. or a lot ruined, depending on mm-hmm. yeah. how, how they chose to deal with it afterward, if they yeah. chose to report it or not, you know? Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of criticism around non-reporting. Well, if that happened, she should have said something. She should have reported it. Well, a lot of the things we would talk about to the women who came to our center, 
at Baker is it's absolutely their choice because if you choose to take this public, like they tear you apart. They look at every, you know, every sexual partner you've ever had, every party you've been to. Were you drunk? Um, Which is kind of crazy. It is. It's it's horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, horrible. Uh, and I just I think about I think about this this woman who came to me and her her friend drugged and raped her. She was a she was a lesbian. This is her male friend, the person, one of the people she trusted most in the world, and he completely violated her. And the school just said, nope, not his fault. Hmm. You were drunk. Hmm. T- yeah. I mean, she she left school. She She's doing well. She, she and I kept in touch for a while. In fact, she contacted me about five years later, just thanking me for helping her, even though it didn't turn out in her favor and didn't go well for her. Like, she was able to get to a place where she felt really good and healthy and she was in a healthy relationship. But it took a lot of therapy. Yeah. Um, a lot of work yeah. to do that. She just had, you know, some serious trust is- issues. Um, a lot of a lot of PTSD. Um, had a really hard time trusting like men at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just felt like, oh, if the people, if the people who have, you know, around me who I am supposed to trust, you know, can't be there for me, who do I have? You know, like. We're talking about eight, an 18-year-old mm-hmm. who's away from home for the first time, and this horrific thing happens to her in the first couple of months of school. I don't know. I just – there are so many problems. And I do think that at least the PR is getting better, mm-hmm. you know. The But um, I think we still have a lot of issues with women just not reporting at all because – they're too concerned about what's going to happen to them again. Like so they got raped by a person and then yeah. they get raped by the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think we've gotten better in that regard in believing people when they come forward or not necessarily? I think so. Yeah. I, it's hard to say. And how much does it hurt when someone comes forward and it turns out it wasn't true? Oh, it's terrible. Like, because that's what, that's what you'll see. That's That'll be the headline. Exactly. Like exactly. such and such. Like, mm-hmm. Like right, the that's whole Johnny Depp thing, for example. <laughs> I feel like if we start putting actual examples in here, it might not yeah. go well. I mean, that whole thing was a mess. Uh, I don't even know what that to was believe. Just a show. I have no idea. That was like I, a freaking. I like read a little bit about it, and then I was like, "Why the fuck am I spending time?" Yeah. <laughs> but like the public perception just is that she's crazy. That she's crazy, and, and that and that we shouldn't for, believe women. Exactly. That's you know, what I'm, that's what I was saying. Yes. No. That's that's a huge problem. No, I wasn't and saying, we shouldn't do. I that. wasn't saying that we shouldn't believe women. No, I know that, but <laughs> that's saying, but what I yeah, no, yeah. I'm agreeing with you yeah. is what's happening. I'm agreeing with you that Just wanted to say if that. somebody if somebody comes out with a fake accusation, yeah. man, woman, whatever, um, it hurts. That's more. not good for anyone else who's actually being victimized. Yeah, it probably hurts more than the thousand people that come out and we're like, and like, yeah, this is terrible. Yes, like, we need to do yes. something about this. And I'm not naive. I know people lie about that stuff, and that's, it's just shitty to do that. It's shitty, yeah, f- yeah for other people. It's shitty for the person you're blaming. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just sucks because, you know, like, on a big case like that, you know that the media is going to capitalize on that. And not the thousand other people that we exactly that said they did happen. Exactly. I mean, why do you think it took it? so long for someone like Harvey Weinstein to get oh, any sort of like any sort of repercussions for his behavior over the last forty years? Yeah. Yeah, that kind of that kind of stuff especially makes me super mad. Like Same. someone like that in a powerful so position, so much like power, that, taking advantage of so many people because mm-hmm. they really had no other choice. 
Exactly. Like he knew he knew that. Yeah. And it's freaking crazy. Yeah. That's an extreme example. That is an extreme example. But it's just, it's the world we live in. And it's not, it's not one that anybody should have ever had to live in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree. I don't know how we got here. I didn't think we were going to talk about this. Well, I, it was a big focus for me in grad school, oh, and yeah, I think right. I think that's the reason I brought it up is because I I really felt like in grad school I would be doing this kind that kind of work for a really long time on college campuses, and I was going to segue into why I'm not doing that work anymore. Mm. You also, by the way, you would if you were my RA, you would have hated me. Um, I'm glad we didn't meet when when you were in college. <laughs> why? <laughs> because I, I, you know, I feel like. In many ways, I'm like way more chill than when I was an RA in college, and mm. I don't think that I was a tough RA or anything. But I did. I am a rule follower. I have, I did my job well. I abide by rules. I love having rules. I'm really into you know structure and well, yeah. this is what I can do and this is what I can't do. Um, yeah, I, I, in a lot of ways, I probably I was probably a completely different person. Yeah, I always say that in like the three or four years since school, I've probably grown up twenty years. Well, so you're twenty five. You know? Yeah, almost 26. So you're the age that Carrie was when I met him. And mm. I, sometimes we joke about, you know, we can't remember. It's it's hard to think of a time when we didn't know each other because obviously we're so intertwined now. Um, but I'm so happy I didn't know him before 25 because mm. he's, he's got a really good group of college buddies that he's still very close to and who I adore. Um, but man, the stories they tell, I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think we would have ever gotten together. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's like your teacher, like making you love writing. Like <laughs> it's all about timing. And when, you know, like, absolutely like one bad encounter could, wouldn't be sitting here right now. Well, and I feel Maybe. like you have to have all these experiences to get to where you are. I mean, yeah. he's an um, amazing man, amazing husband, amazing friend, Easy. amazing father. <laughs> you can look at him differently. Uh, <laughs> I chose for him to be my life partner. So, uh, yeah. I need to say all of these things uh, and hope. He might listen to this. So, Maybe. Yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> um, so you, when we, before we went down that rabbit yes. hole, we were, we were in Houston somewhere. Yeah, so I took a job in Houston at, the, at UHCL, um, and I was working in student activities, which wasn't my first choice, but I knew I didn't want to work in residence life anymore. I wanted to have my own apartment and not live with a bunch of college students. So I was 25 living in my very first apartment for the mm. first time because, you know, I did, I did the RA and the hall director thing for a long time. So, and I wanted to be near family. Um, so I took a job in student activities and it was a really fun. It was a, the, this college campus was a little bit different. It was, at, uh, at the time it was just for, um, juniors, seniors, and graduate students. So a lot of the students they got were, um, what did they call them? Adult learners, which is funny because mm. you're technically an adult at 18, but it was a lot of people coming back to school after having a career. So most of the students I worked with were maybe 10 to 20 years older than me. Um, and then some you got that were more, you know, traditionally aged students, especially in the grad programs. But um, so it was a really different kind of campus and it was a neat experience. Mm. Uh, met some some lovely people. But ultimately, Houston, Houston was not for me. The greatest thing that came out of living in Houston um, is meeting my friend, Allie Albright, who is an amazing friend. And me and my husband sound familiar. I don't know. I don't know that you would know her. Okay. She lives in the northeast or the yeah, northwest now. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Forget I mean, that. maybe that's just a familiar Cut name. That out. <laughs> yeah, you can edit that out. Do you ever edit your podcast? No, I used to. Okay. Now I'm just like whatever I say, I say, and yeah, whatever you say. I mean, if you if you said I don't want something in there, I would mm-hmm. say I would cut it out. I appreciate but that. But me, I'm like no. Yeah, you yeah. Don't, you don't get that. 
Um, no, she, I mean, she started the same day as me at UHCL. Our offices were right next to each other. And I, I don't know if you've experienced, I mean, you moved into a CrossFit community, so it was probably easier to make friends. But making friends as an adult when you're not in school mm. is challenging. It's just, it's a whole, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. So we were really, uh, really there for each other. And she became a, a really fast friend. And about six months later, Carrie moved to Houston and we met. So the three of us were like the three musketeers. Why did he move to Houston? For a job. Okay. So he, he told me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was on the search committee that hired for his position. Oh, and cool. that's how we met. I, he, um, Allie and I actually picked him up from the airport and that was our first meeting in November of 2009. So you targeted him? I did. Well, I, we did a phone interview first and I was like, mm, he sounds like he's know. cute. Yeah. No, no, no. I was like, he sounds like he's cute. And then he got to the airport and I remember looking at Allie and I was like, I told you, I told you he was cute. <laughs> So little did I know that was my future husband. Crazy. Yeah, I, he, I, we we do not have the kind of story that's like I saw him and I knew that absolutely was not the case. No, but we were fast friends. Like immediately got along, uh, really bonded over like music and movies, and uh, I knew I knew that we had like a connection. Mm. Um, but I certainly yeah. he seemed out of my league at the time. It was like mm. I was still chubby Allison, and I wasn't into exercise, and I don't know, but. But we got along really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just a funny thing because it's like for you, like you just never know. You just never know. <laughs> <laughs> Look just, at me now. You just never know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we wouldn't be friends if Carrie had never entered my life, Connor. I would not be I? sitting here today. Are you sure? I think we would have found each other. I don't other. think. <laughs> That's a lovely thought. I will I will just hold that and keep it there. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So you were in Houston mm-hmm. and you were, you told me, but were you, were you like working for a. I was working for the university. Okay, uh, in right. student activities. When yeah. did you finally like? How long till you got into CrossFit? So I let's see. I moved to Houston in May of 2009, and I started CrossFit in January of 2010. Okay. That was the month that Carrie started working at UHCL, and he brought CrossFit to campus. Okay. So he said he was running our rec center, and he kind of it was funny. The gym was on like a second floor of an of like a administration building. Okay. And so he comes in and he kind of builds out the back half of the gym as a as a CrossFit facility. He wasn't calling it CrossFit because he couldn't legally. <laughs> and uh, you know he just he was like, well, we're going to start this program. I forget what he even called the program, but um, and he asked Allie and I to come be like his guinea pigs, and if we liked it, we could help him grow the program. Okay. And then over time, he got like a nice, uh, a really nice group. He was running multiple classes a day, um, and. Uh, I just said, like, I at the time, I, you know, I, I decided I needed to do something for my health and fitness. My mom is a, a breast cancer survivor, and I just got to a point where I was like, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't know why, but I knew that it made sense to start exercising. I didn't have the food thing figured out, but I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, in grad school, I got into running a little bit. I had a friend who's... Everybody gets into running. That's, it's such, there's such a low barrier to entry. Yeah. I paid, I think, $90 for, like, a decent pair of running shoes. I think they were the Nike Free. Okay. And that was like, that was my investment. And that was a big investment for me at the time. Like I was a broke, broke, broke grad student. Um, So that was a big deal. I had to put it on my credit card. (laughs) And uh, um, that, I mean, and then I had a friend who was like an actual, like real runner. And Mm -hmm. uh, she did cross country in college. And she she was like, well, look, there's like, you know, we were living in uh, Ohio. And she's like, there's this half marathon in Detroit. Let's do that. It's like okay great so I started like training for that 
And my only goal for that was to not get picked up by the, the like bus that comes around at the end if you're being too slow oh, <laughs> it, yeah. if it takes you too long they come and pick yeah, you up it's kind of like having a time off. cap and they just yeah. like pull you onto the van. <laughs> the van um i didn't i made it like i ran for most of it i remember walking a little bit but i made it within you know long even long before the the time cap so that was like a there really big go. motivator for me to usually just those, like usually those time caps aren't hard to hit you know now now knowing what i know <laughs> i would yeah, I, I knew i would have been fine but i'm telling you like other than some like ymca sports as a kid yeah. like i i just didn't do sports i was on the newspaper i was on the yearbook i i did theater i played music i was you know i sang like that's what i did those are my activities that was my jam um so it really made me nervous to do it but then i did it and i thought oh that's cool and immediately like the same night uh signed up for another one with my friend and uh we ended up doing another one in nashville and that was fun but then i you know the second one wasn't nearly as fun as the first like i didn't get that same kind of like high at the end yeah yeah I didn't I don't know like yeah it just wasn't the same and I kept I kept it up because I just thought again like I need to do something yeah um so then you know we do like the normal gym stuff the elliptical um I did some dumbbell stuff I had a friend in grad school whose husband was a bodybuilder okay um uh and she would give me like dumbbell stuff to do but it was a lot of stuff that you know I mean bent over rows and yeah I remember doing strict presses and uh, I could probably find the notebook where she wrote all my notes. Oh, I think I have it really still. Cool. I have kept all my notebooks from like my early CrossFit days too. But um, so I, it's not like I was starting completely from scratch, but certainly, no, I mean, nothing like most people. It's nothing like CrossFit. Nothing functional. Um, nothing like intense. Yeah. You know, nothing that really was making a big impact overall. I remember I like lost some weight, and my my whole life I was. Um, not not yeah like I ate like shit and I drank a lot of soda and um, I was always pretty chubby like but I was also a pretty confident person so it just never really bothered me that much and then Mm. when my mom got cancer I was 19 and I just and she you know did her treatment and and she's great she's fine um I never except for like the second she told me I never really thought I was gonna lose her in that first few seconds I was like oh shit my mom's dying and she's like no no no, it's totally treatable I'm fine Mm. Uh, but since then I just felt like, well, God, well, I guess I'm just going to have, I guess I'm just going to get cancer. That's, that's just automatically in my future. And then somewhere a few years later, the, what got me to sign up for that first half marathon was like, well, maybe there, there, maybe there is something I can do. I don't exactly know what that looks like, but maybe there is something I can do that, where this isn't my future, where I don't just have to like expect to get breast cancer. Uh, and then the more, and then after I met Carrie and we started, I started CrossFit and changed my diet. I was like, oh, I 100% can can stop this mm-hmm. so that was a pretty cool realization so you liked it right away pretty much yeah. yeah i remember my first couple classes um carrie had us do a baseline so workout was teaching them. yeah so carrie's okay. my first coach yeah okay. um so we were co-workers but he was technically my first coach and uh he d- we did the baseline workout so that's okay. like 20 30 40 50 of i'm gonna say it in the wrong order but um Push-ups, pull-ups, squats, and something else. I should know this, but I don't. Um, but it's just called the baseline. I think it's yep. a pretty standard I workout. Th- Obviously, I did it heavily scaled. Um, and I remember driving home from, I probably did it in the afternoon, and I drove home that day, and I had to, like, I had to, like, take one hand to help my other hand get on the steering wheel. Like, oh. <laughs> and I was so sore, and yeah. I, oh, my God. Uh, 
And I remember feeling weird. Like the warm up felt really weird to me. He had us like swinging our legs and doing things that I thought I thought I looked ridiculous. And I at the time I probably just cared more about what I looked like than, you know, the actual is this actually going to help you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, well, I feel weird doing this, but I, you know, I'm doing. I'm just going to commit to it for. I think I committed to it for like 30 days, um, and then here we are, almost 13 years later. Did you stay for the CrossFit or did you stay for that guy? Well, I probably started it because I I probably had a little crush on Carrie. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you want to spend every afternoon with me? Yeah. Okay. Well, he did invite you there. He did invite me there. So don't think it wasn't both ways. Well, honestly, Connor, we started like we got together like three weeks later. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So it was. Yep. <laughs> That's it. I solved uh, it. <laughs> yeah. And then so. when did you start working for CrossFit? So I started working for CrossFit. Um, it's kind of a, uh, the time is a little bit muddled. So I, in spring of 2010, um, that was like the first, no, it would have been 11 was the first year they did the online open. Oh, okay. 2010 was the first year that the first year I did CrossFit and I watched Carrie go through the competition process, but that was when they did like sectionals into regionals into the games. And then by 2011, they took away sectionals and replaced it with the online open. So more people could participate. Um, and they did the update show. Have you ever watched any of those old update shows? I don't think so. So it was like Rory McKernan and then another like local Santa Cruz woman who trained under Greg Glassman, like in the early days. Um, and it was terrible. Like, like, bad just just I mean they were they didn't they weren't they didn't seem practiced they were um just cutting each other off I you know my my specialty was print journalism but because of the program I went to I had to do some broadcast stuff so it wasn't completely foreign to me and I was just thinking like they need like who's who's directing them Mm. (laughs) they sound like they haven't practiced anything I and I just got so fired up so I just we're we're like watching it on, on the computer at our dining room table I think we were living together by this point and uh I just get up from the dining room table and I go over to the couch and I open my computer and I'm just like typing away Carrie's like what are you doing and I said I'm gonna send an email to the media director at CrossFit Hmm. and uh he's like okay uh what (laughs) I said well I listen like I just they need some help like and I remember I was reading articles online and athletes names were misspelled and (laughs) One of the things that I one of the things I learned in journalism school really early is that you can make a lot of mistakes, but do not spell somebody's name wrong. Um, editing editing became my specialty. I don't think we've covered that, which it's actually an important piece because that's what I do now. Um, editing became my specialty, and I absolutely love it. It's my passion in journalism. When you edit, do you just like do you actually write things, or do you just correct things people did wrong, I or do both. suggest things? Yeah, like yeah. Suggest, I do hey, both. You do this. Um, so what what I do now is like I specialize in content editing, which I consider slightly different as being a copy editor so okay. if you're a true copy editor mostly what you're doing is just correcting things making sure comments are in the right spot using the right punctuation uh, uh, doing some fact checking and um, and fixing spelling errors um, content editing is more like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this uh, flow structure okay um, so way more hands-on way more hands-on way more like, like in the actual yeah. writing Process, yeah, I yeah. Guess. So I write right now. I do. I do a bit of writing. It's mostly. It's nothing um, super creative. I'm mostly like technical, technical writer. So a lot of like email communications that go out to gyms and stuff like that. Uh, documents that we're gonna hand out at the games. Um, a lot of the, some of the tools that we're you know we put out. Um, I have a heavy hand in, but editing became my specialty, and that's what I absolutely loved. So, 
I just, I wrote this very impassioned email to the media director at the time, who was Tony Budding, and just sent it off. Carrie helped me figure out who I needed to send it to, because it was before I really knew a whole lot of names in CrossFit. So I sent it to him, just thinking, I'm never going to, like, he probably gets emails every day just saying, it was basically like, hey, I think you're, you're doing this wrong. This is my specialty. If you ever feel like you need an editor, I'd love to chat with you. It's like he probably gets job requests all the time. Yeah. And we got I heard from him maybe 24 hours later. I was like, hey, here's my phone number. Call me at this time, Pacific. It's like, oh, fuck. He's going to be, go. he, yeah, I really thought I was going to get chewed out. I don't know why I thought that, but I was terrified. I was like, why did I send this email? This is so stupid. Uh, <laughs> well, I talked to him. I call him. And he's like, hey, I think you're absolutely right. I'd love to like meet you and see what you can do and test you out a little bit. And uh, were you in Texas at the time? Mm-hmm. Or you no, lived, yeah, li- no, we lived we lived in Houston. We moved to California for my job with CrossFit. Okay, sorry to ruin the story. No, that's okay. Continue. That's it's not. <laughs> I don't think kidding. that's ruining it. I think Carrie told a little bit of this when he was on. Yeah. Um, Probably, I wasn't really listening to him. That's fair. I was doing that's other fair. Things. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. About other things, <laughs> the snacks that I was gonna have later. Good for you. Thank it's you. important to stay fueled. I you know. know? So basically, I started doing some like volunteer work for them just from Houston. The the couple of the media team would send me stuff and I'd edit it and they just were kind of evaluating me. And that earned me an invitation to come out and work for a week. And this would have been April of 2011. And I, you know, they wanted to see if I was a good fit, if they liked my personality. And then I got I got a contracting I got a contract so it wasn't full time employment but I got a contract for the regional game and game season. So it was kind mm, of for twenty twelve twenty no for twenty eleven. 2011. So we were like they had just finished the open and they were getting ready to start regionals, mm. and uh, they wanted me to come out and be there for first they were going to fly me out every weekend oh, and, and I was like well hey I, you know Carrie and I were looking to leave to leave Houston I had been applying for we'd both been applying for higher education jobs. Um, actually all over the west coast so it was kind of it, fe- it feels kismet when i think about it now like it, yeah it feels like it was just meant to be i had i was really close to getting a job in arizona but i ended up being their second choice and their first choice took the job and i remember mm. being devastated and then like a month later i'm moving to california to take a job with crossfit yeah so they, they they just offered me a contract it wasn't full-time employment but we were just so ready to leave houston we really did it on a whim it was very much like Tony, Tony could not guarantee me work after the games. He thought he could, but he couldn't 100% say, I can hire you full time. So if you want to come out here, that's great. I support you, but you're risking, like there's a risk involved with it. But, and at first I said, no, I was like, well, I can't do that. And, you know, I have a full-time job. I can't just be traveling out there for, I think, I think then there were five weekends of regionals that were Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it just seemed impossible. And then, so I, I tell Tony no. An hour later, after a heart-to-heart with Carrie, I said, okay, we're moving. And we moved a few weeks later. And I was there for, I think we got there. We drove, like, it was a crazy road trip. Two two nights, like, overnight. Mm. We would just switch off every two hours and sleep. It was terrible. Carrie didn't take, a, we didn't take a road trip. Carrie didn't want to take a road trip for, like, two or three years after that because <laughs> he was so traumatized. Um, so you just packed up and left. Packed up and left, yeah. Wow. I gave my, you know, we gave our notice and... Um, we left Memorial, uh, no, we had a wedding in Ohio, a good friend's wedding in Ohio that Memorial Day weekend, and then basically came back, spent one day packing up, said goodbye to everybody. I signed all my, like, leave paperwork at the university, and we le- left for Santa Cruz. Yeah, carry me and, and the dog Stanley. 
And then obviously he ended up hiring you for longer. Yeah. So Carrie went and he ended up again, just like everything fell into place. He got a job with UC Santa Cruz Mm -hmm. right away. Okay. Uh, First of all, I don't know if Carrie said this on his podcast, but for me to get a job with CrossFit HQ before him was a little bit devastating. (laughs) Oh, really? He handled it like a champ. But he was like, really? He'd been doing for CrossFit for like two or three years before me and just, I mean, lived and breathed CrossFit. Like all he wanted to do was work for CrossFit HQ. <laughs> so when I got the job <laughs> offer, I think he was happy to ride my coattails. But um, but he was definitely like, okay, I'm going to try to do what I can to get a job with CrossFit. And it, honestly, it could at the time, it could have been anything. He was like, I'll make your coffee. I'll be, I'll do your bitch work. Like whatever. I just want to work for CrossFit. Well, he had volunteered at the He'd gotten a job at UC Santa Cruz. Great. Um, He volunteered at the games that year. And my boss, Tony, saw that he was a hard worker, dedicated, and was just like, hey, you're on. So we signed our, like, full-time employment paperwork on the same day in August of 2011. So after the games, I was, like, offered full-time employment, like, benefits and everything. It was, like, a big, like, sigh of relief. (laughs) Uh, Because living in Santa Cruz is not cheap, especially as, like, I was, like, two years out of grad school. You don't – the paychecks in higher ed are not not awesome. Uh, It was a gamble. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking, like, my contract was, like, 15 bucks an hour. So Mm. not not anything to write home about. I remember my brother – my oldest brother, Drew, is kind of, like – he's kind of a papa bear to me because he's nine years older. And uh, just have always kind of been, like – he's always just kind of taking care of me. And so he was very concerned about me. But (laughs) – Sure. We did okay. Yeah, he he's like sat me down and was like, "I'm a little bit worried. I'm worried they're taking advantage of you." Like, <laughs> I was just like, "Hey, I'm doing it." He's yeah. like, "All right, all right." It just you know, and then he and then he got into CrossFit for a while, which is really cool. Actually, watching Carrie compete got him into CrossFit. Oh, that's neat. cool. Yeah, yeah. And you've been there ever since. What's up? You've been there ever. I've since? been there ever since. So I started out in the media department. I was like their very first uh, copy editor. So by default, I was the head copy editor. I worked with a guy named Mike Workington, who was the um, editor of the CrossFit Journal, and he and I developed like CrossFit's first ever style guide, just to say like, hey, here's how we write stuff. Um, mm. th- so every every almost every organization has a style guide. CrossFit didn't have one at the time, so we wrote that together, um, and then just like started implementing everything. And then I think a year later, we got like. I got to hire somebody to work with me, and um, I did that job for a, about five years, and um, kind of got like picked. Our COO had been talking with Greg Glassman about starting a new e-commerce department, and he um, already had somebody who he had hired to be like the head of e-com, um, but he wanted somebody with like CrossFit experience and um, content experience to to work with her. So like I was like a con- the content manager for all of our e-commerce pages. So I decided mm. to do that. I was ready for something different. I wasn't really sure what kind of movement I would have in that, in my copy editing role. And I was just feeling, feeling like I should take an opportunity and do something different. I did that for th- three and a half years. And that's like, that's around the time that stuff started really shifting at CrossFit when um, like media department kind of gotten slashed and they were really changing mm. the way that we they did games coverage and um ultimately they um our ceo at the time um decided they could outsource e-com so um they had let my boss go and i was i was left to run it for like a few months before they finally said all right that's not yours anymore but we want you to stay so i got an offer from the affiliate team um, and I started doing, and I took it cause I was, I think I was, 
I was very newly pregnant actually mm. with Henry and um, I just I had had another job offer but I, I was really nervous to take it and there were a couple red flags and I just you know I just love CrossFit so much I really wanted to stay with CrossFit and um, they they offered me a job and it ended up being a really really amazing move so I did like outreach for a while where I would just talk to affiliate owners call them um, I worked in support for a little while um, so you've been all over I've been all over yeah yeah and then so uh, I had Henry in May of 2020 so the pandemic had already like been surging and then I took maternity leave that whole summer well summer 2020 was not awesome for CrossFit as a company um, not only because of the pandemic but for some other reasons yep. and um, uh, when I came back they were just in like I mean the like so everything over the summer happened and then they CrossFit got sold and then um, I was able to take like almost six months off uh, my, for my maternity leave so when I came back they were in like um, crisis mode, like just working with affiliates, trying to help affiliates who were like heavily impacted by the pandemic. So I immediately went into a support role. And so I started doing customer support for the affiliate support team. And then in May, 2021, I was able to go back into like full-time editing. So I'm the affiliate content editor now. Okay. So I do, I do content editing specifically for the gym org, which mm -hmm. is affiliates. Yeah. And the customer support role is probably cool for you. Cause you kind of did some of that way back. It was in like, College, for sure kind of, it was right? like amazing yeah. in a lot of ways and also devastating in a lot of ways like to be working support and talking to an affiliate owner who owns a gym in I don't know like there were gyms in Brazil just like you know all over South America really and all throughout Europe just dying they didn't have the resources to stay afloat in COVID and you know having to work with them to to try to keep them alive or just give them a little bit of hope or like, whatever what would you do? Uh, well, we had like a whole finance team who was okay. really helping them like figure out that piece of it. Gotcha. But for me, it was just in a lot of ways, like when I was doing specifically when I was doing outreach um, and like talking to affiliate owners on the phone about some of their struggles during COVID, uh, I really felt like a therapist. Hmm. Um, and I, You know, some phone calls were great and some were really hard and then some were horrible. Like the just... It's amazing to me. Um, I'm so nice to. I'm, so, I'm. I feel like I've always been good with support people as a consumer, but now I'm even more empathetic because just the way some people talk to a faceless person yeah, is um, kind of crazy. Pretty nasty. Mm -hmm. Even even in the CrossFit community, I was hoping we never we didn't have people like that, but we sure do. Everybody does. There's Everybody no, does. There's no escaping that. I know. I, I thought we were special, and we are special, but not yeah. in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, it was neat. It was. Um, I remember talking with one of my coworkers, telling her, I was like, I just feel like I'm really making an impact uh, during that time. But it wasn't, it wasn't sustainable for me personally. I, uh, my fulfillment wasn't necessarily like being, like my job satisfaction wasn't really at an all-time high doing that. I feel like I really am where I'm supposed to be when I'm working with words. and Working with words. Yeah. 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 It's just, I just love it so much. Like I think I, I wrote, I wrote to you, um, like I hope, I really, truly hope I can do this for the rest of my career with CrossFit. Like with CrossFit, mm -hmm. what you're doing now? Yeah, yeah, what I'm doing now. I, uh, I don't, I don't see me working anywhere else. Hmm. I'd love to have the rest of my career be with CrossFit. Um, I just, I, what I do is maybe not the thing. It's not, you know, I'm not out there training people. I'm not changing lives in the way that like you do every day but 
I feel like I'm part of something that is making the world better. And like whatever mm. piece I can contribute to that in the best way possible uh, is what I'm doing right now. Gotcha. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Now, if CrossFit wasn't a thing, where do you think you'd be? I'd like to think I would be an editor somewhere else. Um, there are other things I'm passionate about. Certainly since having Henry, I'm passionate about um, uh, like supporting mothers and, mm. and parents. Um, I'm, you know, I there's a part of me that feels like maybe I'd still be working in higher education. Um, mm. I think it'd be hard to go back now after not being in the field for 12 years. But um, I think I'd like to be doing something like if I'm not editing, I'd like to be in some kind of helping profession. Yeah. Where would Carrie be with no CrossFit? On, you know, I he'd be working in the fitness industry in some mm. place. Like before he started working at CrossFit, he was, you know, doing like rec sports management, rec sports mm. programs uh, and college campuses. And he was really good at it. Um, and he honestly, his work like with facilities is phenomenal. It's not necessarily where his passion lies, uh, but he's very, very good at it. Or he would be coaching CrossFit. Yeah. Maybe, you know, like. He was an excellent coach. Excellent coach. Mm. Um, and I understand why he doesn't want to do it anymore, but there's a small piece of me who would love to see him coaching again. Mm -hmm. But that'd be a lot. That would be a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To do it the way he would want to do it, I don't think he's got the right amount of time for it. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Like he'd want to be in, in an environment like Roots where they really, mm -hmm. it's not just like a side gig. It's like what mm. you do. Yeah. 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 That's cool. I also don't think... I'm not sure he knows he was as good as as he was. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I tell him all the time, but... <laughs> he doesn't know. But I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't believe it. You know, we always... Yeah. It's easy to convince ourselves. You know, like today, in today's workout, for example, I was like, I don't know if I can do those 12 chest bars for five rounds. And then I did it, and it was, felt great. And, like, I felt really strong. And even in the last round, when I was doing much smaller sets, it just, like, felt solid. I'm like, oh, I can do that. Like, why was I trying to convince myself yeah. I couldn't do that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. because it's... Because historically it has been a weakness mm. which just you know i think i'm not i'm not like two years into crossfit allison i'm 12 mm. and a half years into crossfit allison like you can do this yeah 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 it's just like a natural thing like i'm the same way yeah like someone says something bad or critical and i just put all my energy into that someone says something good or supportive and it's like oh, whatever. oh no 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 yeah, yeah. No, God, isn't that wrong. fucked up why do we do I that know. and that's like everything yeah like good thoughts bad thoughts same thing mm -hmm. i'd be like oh well this could happen this is good, or mm -hmm. this could happen, this is bad. This is probably what I should think about <laughs> and worry about all day long. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which is weird how that oh, happens. Oh, man, human nature. Human nature, it's a crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. So you're hoping to do yeah. the same thing at CrossFit forever. I, I mean, at this, like right now in this moment, that is truly how I feel. I really hope hope I, I do. Would you ever want to get back into writing and like write your own stuff? Like write books? I don't think or so. Articles? I don't think I have an aspiration to do that. No. Um, I think if there was a topic I was really interested in, I would love to do like a journalism piece on it. Mm. Uh, a book, a book. That's not my style. That's too long. Too long. Mm -hmm. Too much. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Yeah. Like I think the longest I could do, I did I did a lot of features uh, at the end of my college journalism career. Mm -hmm. um, and I was pretty good at that if I found a topic I really liked. What about like short stories? Maybe. I just, um, that's not like... I'm not like a creative in that way. Mm. Um, like I probably wouldn't write fiction. It would be something. Like, it would an, like an article. Yeah, like yeah. A, mm -hmm. Like a real article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like about something real. Yeah. yeah. Creativity is weird because creativity is like 
feel like you have to get bored before you can get creative. <laughs> you kind of got like. That's why it's so funny to me. We have like incredibly creative people who work at CrossFit. And I'm like, this is this work for you? Because mm. like our one, our graphic, one of our motion graphics guys is so incredibly talented. But you, the way, what he gets asked to do in a certain time frame, I'm like, that's not yeah, that's not appropriate for like that. You know, mm-hmm. his mindset, and he makes it work. He's he's great at what he does. But I know he struggles sometimes, and mm-hmm. he's sometimes he's working at two a.m. and mm-hmm. um, or on Sundays and stuff because that's when it hits. He's like, well, this is what this is what's yeah. gonna work for that project. Um, and you know, he's got kids and a wife, and you know, real life and. Yeah. Just so I think that would be really hard mm-hmm. uh, to be in that kind of. That's why so many people who are creative in that way are freelance, so yeah. they can. I mean, they still have deadlines, but they can just do things more on their own time. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right, Allison. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I of course. Appreciate the time. I'm flattered. I got asked to be on the oh, podcast. Well, thank are you, you just going to run through everybody at Roots? I think so. Yeah, I think you should. I'm gonna go on a long. Yeah. It has been so fun to like listen a lot. Of, you know, a lot of people you you've talked to recently, like I work out with every day. Mm, they're yeah. you know in mm-hmm. my class or or go to the mo- in the morning classes, and it's so interesting that like I feel like I felt like I knew Neeb really well, mm. and then listening to that, I was like, man, I don't know him at all. Like yeah. a lot of his history. It's just it's a really cool way to get to know the people we are around every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool for me because like I can learn something from everybody. Everybody has a story, mm-hmm. and I really like stories. Mm-hmm. I like telling stories, and you know, you talk to them, they tell a story, and you kind of navigate them through it, kind of how you want to, or mm-hmm. just go with the flow. And then sometimes you have to backtrack because it's easy to get off again. topic. Yeah, but it's just like, and I just love conversations. Yeah, it's so fun, and like you don't get to do that all the time. This is great. I can't believe how quickly uh, an hour flew by. That was an hour. Yeah, well over. I think it's three seventeen. Oh, sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> all right, thank you, Allison. Thanks, Connor.